Let's just open with a quick word of prayer. Jesus, you're so good. We love you so much. I just pray that you would speak to us, that I would get out of the way, and you would get in the way, and we would catch your heart today. We want to catch your heart, God, for the word. And so, God, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So I want to open and ask a question. When you hear the word missionary, what images come to mind? See, for me, this, these were the images when I was younger that came to mind. First was a knight, a knight on a crusade, going take the Holy Land for Jesus, right? We're going on this mission from God. Or maybe you think of a, a teenage girl holding a baby. You know, I, you get a lot of those pictures. Or, or, or you think of people constructing a building or building a church in Africa somewhere. I actually know that guy. Or, or you think of the, the, the pastor or the preacher with the large crusades and the missions and, you know, with his hand raised and saying, repent. So when I was initially praying about missions and missions work, you know, I told God, I'm open. But I had these images in the back of my mind of what a missionary looks like. And I kind of want to deconstruct our idea of missions today. And I actually told God, God, I'll, I'll go wherever you want me to go. Just don't send me to China or Africa. I'd done a missions trip to China, and I had a great time. It was a, a good trip. I just didn't gel with the culture, you know. Didn't like Chinese food, so that probably disqualified me. Uh, and then Africa, I had this idea of a white male American coming into an African context with the khaki suit, you know, with the hat on. And I was like, man, that's just not me. You know, I'm not, who am I to tell, you know, these, these black Africans how to live their life, you know? I, I, I just did not, and that's probably a good motivation to not come from a, a, a power structure. You know, and, and some of these images that I showed encompass what missions is, but none of them truly represent God's heart. And in doing so, when we have these images, and when I put God, said, I'll go anywhere but China, Africa, I limited God. <laughs> I unknowingly limited God. You know, when we look at these pictures, we say, well, I'm not that good at construction, or I'm not a teenage girl, or I'm not a knight. And we say, well, I just must not be called because I'm not a knight. And then, you know, we, can, we come up with excuses. Well, I'm not called because of this reason. Or I'm not called because of that reason. And when that uncomfortable conversation comes up, we go, well, I'm just not called. I'm just not called. And so we're good. We're off. So when we, heard, we hear the word missionary, this word comes to mind a lot, calling. So today I want to look at the idea of calling. What does it mean to be called? You know, where did this idea of calling come from, really? And, and I want to ask us the question, am I called? Are you called? Are we called? See, I shared a little earlier about how I felt called to missions. I was talking to a missionary from Namibia, and I told God, I don't want to go to Africa. But in a moment, and I was describing Pastor Pete earlier, it's kind of like my cell phone was unplugged. You know what happens when you plug in your cell phone? Mine makes a weird noise, like doop, or it buzzes. And it's, that's what God kind of did to me. He opened my eyes in a moment. He just opened my eyes to a need. He opened my eyes. It's not that it wasn't there. He opened my perception to it in God's heart for the nations. And I'm praying that some of us today, God's going to do a doop in our hearts. 
So to begin this conversation, we have to start with our general call. So often we talk about our vocational or our individualized call. But calling biblically, when the Bible uses the word calling, it almost always refers to a call to Christ. We are first called to Jesus. For example, 1 Corinthians 1.9, we are called to fellowship. We are called to fellowship with the Son, Jesus Christ. So we are called to him. And this really highlights something important. God is more concerned about who you are or whose you are than what you do for him. We are first called to God because we are children of God. And from there, God will direct and guide us. But we too focus on, we often too focus on that, that what we're doing rather than the more important work of who we are becoming. You know, we all want to know, Am I doing the right thing? Am, am I called to this job? Or a lot of young people my age, am I called to date this guy or girl? Scripturally, God doesn't care so much about that as, as much as he does who you are and whose you are. His primary focus is on who you are on the inside. If we are becoming the right kind of person on the inside, then we will naturally fulfill and live out our individualized call. So our personal calling is birthed out of our calling to Christ. This is the foundation of everything I'm about to share. So you've got to set the foundation here. So, for example, the disciples were called to Christ before they were sent out. Peter was called to Christ before he was called the rock. Paul was called to Christ before he was called to Macedonia. We are called to Christ before we are sent out. So with that as the foundation, then, I want to look at what is God calling us to do. So we're called to him in a relationship, and then from there he'll push us out. To do that, we're actually going to read a lot of scripture really quickly, and we're going to look at the last words of Christ. And you know, when someone's on their deathbed, or you know it's their last words, or they're leaving for a long time, you pay attention to what they have to say. You know, you, you could say that someone's last words could be their most important words. And so some exam famous people that had examples of their last word, a guy named Joseph Wright, he invented the dictionary. He kind of compiled the dictionary. His last dying word was dictionary. Seems appropriate. Or T.S. Eliot, he's a famous poet, said Valerie. Valerie was the name of his wife. That's pretty cool. Or Gandhi, I've never heard of this guy, but some guy named Gandhi said, I don't mind if my life goes in service of the nation. If I, if I die today, every drop of my blood will invigorate the nation. It's pretty powerful. Saying, if I die, this will invigorate the nation. And he was killed the next morning. Emily Dickinson, a very depressing poet. Don't really like her that much, but she said, the I must go in. The fog is rising. That's very poetic. It's kind of appropriate. And then another poet, it's all these guys are poets. Paul Claudel said, Doctor, do you think it could have been the sausage? <laughs> That's probably what's going to happen to me. <laughs> <laughs> So when Jesus is about to ascend to heaven to speak to his disciples for the last time, he probably had something important to say. And it's of the utmost importance for us to obey those last words. And I would say there's, of all the words of Jesus, there's significance on these last words. Because he said, hey, last thing I want to tell you, this is important. Get this before I leave. 
He's reiterating a message. And what's crazy is in all four accounts of the gospel, the message is the same. Same message. And we're going to look at the book of Acts. His last word in the book of Acts, too, same message. Said different ways, sometimes in the imperative. The imperative means in a command. Sometimes in the indicative, which means more just uh, he's doing it more passively, but it's all the same message. So I'm going to, like, speed read through this because I don't want to look at the specifics. I just want to get the general heart of Jesus. So we're going to go through this boom, boom, boom real quick. So Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. So go and make disciples of all nations. Mark 16, 15 through 20, he said to them, Jesus, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will drive out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up snakes. That's kind of weird. With their hands. And when they will drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them at all. They will place their hands on six people, and they will get well. After the Lord Jesus had spoken to them, he was taken up into heaven and sat at the right hand of God. Then the disciples went out and preached everywhere, and the Lord worked with them and confirmed his word by signs that accompanied it. Hallelujah. Luke 24. 46 to 49, he told them, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead. And on the third day, and repentance for forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. I am going to send you what my father has promised, which is the Holy Spirit. But stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. John 21, this one's a little different. He's talking to Peter personally, but it's still the same idea. He said to Peter, the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him a third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, tend my sheep. Truly, I tell you, I, truly, truly, I say to you, when you were younger, you used to gird yourself and walk wherever you please, wherever you wished. But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and someone will gird, else will gird you and bring you to where you do not wish to go. Now he, said to, now he said, signifying by what kind of death he would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to him, follow me. And in the book of Acts, chapter 1, last words of Jesus recorded, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So boom, we just read through five Gospels in about two minutes. So Jesus' last words in all of these accounts are about going to lost people. Go and make disciples of all nations. Go into the world and preach to all creation. Uh, Repentance for forgiveness and sins will be preached in his name to all nations. Tend my sheep, and you'll be my witnesses to the end of the earth. Same message in all five accounts. So you want to know what your calling is? Well, according to these passages, it's pretty simple. Your calling, your purpose in life is to glorify God by making disciples of all nations. So our calling is to glorify God and where? To all nations, everywhere. This is our task. Guys, missions is not just like a side note or an asterisk in the Bible. From beginning to the end, God's heart was to restore all humanity 
Missions is the Bible. And Jesus was reiterating. He said, hey, don't forget these last words. This is my heart. I'm sending you. You know, in trying to live out our callings, we get so individualized, as I was saying earlier. Well, what's God's specific plan for me? And, and I think this is a, there's a problem with this because it causes us to be too self-focused rather than God-focused. There's the macro. If, if you're around me at all, I use the words macro and micro all the time. It gets kind of annoying. But there's the macro, which just means big, wide. There's the macro calling of God, which is called to Christ, and we're called to the nations. That's big. I can't be, how am I called to all nations? But from there, as again, we're building that foundation. We're called to Christ, and I'm called to disciple all nations. And then there's that individualized or micro calling, smaller, or I like to call assignment or assignment from God. We have that foundation, called to Christ, called to nations, and then individualized plan of how God wants to use me to do that. And so you've got to catch that. The pro- we got it all wrong. It's like we're building the roof of the house first when we say, God, what are you calling me to? We've got to get the foundation right and build the building up properly, as the metaphor would go. And, and what's cool in his last words, in a couple of these accounts, he says he'll help us. He'll empower us to fulfill this task. There's no way I can reach Somalis on my own. Somalis are the most difficult, some of the most difficult people in the world. There's an organization that ranks persecution, the churches that are most persecuted in the world. Somalia was ranked number two after North Korea. So of all Islamic areas of the world, Somalia was ranked as a, the highest persecution, more than Iraq or Afghanistan. To be Somali is to be Muslim. There's no way I can do that. But he says, you will receive power. It's not based on me. It's not based on my powers. He's given us the tools. He's given us his Holy Spirit, which I think we just say and we throw around sometimes. The Holy Spirit is in us. That is ridiculous. God who created the stars, which could just burn me alive lives inside of me. Whoa. He doesn't live inside of me just for me. He lives inside of me to love others, to go out and to bless others, to bless me, but to bless the nations. Why should we fear if God is with us? What is secularism if we've got the Spirit of God in us? What is communism got the spirit of God in us. What is ISIS if we got the spirit of the all-powerful God living in us? What is Islam? It's a false ideology that cannot stand against the power of our God. We in our own strengths and abilities are helpless. And so many of us just shirk back. We say, oh man, that's, we're afraid. That's hard. Somalia, Wow. Or we say, I can't do that. I don't have the skills or abilities. I'm not a teenage girl. I can't do that. I'm not a knight. I don't have the abilities. But it's not about what we lack. It's about what we have in Jesus. We have everything we need. In Mark, it said supernatural signs accompanied them. They were picking up snakes, drinking poison. didn't have any effect on them. Laying their hands on the sick, and they were being healed. In Acts, it said, you'll receive the power. So as you live out the call, God will confirm it 
with his power. Let me tell you something. It almost always takes us first taking a step of faith. You know, if you're just chilling on your couch, eating Cheetos, playing Xbox, I don't think you're going to get the power of God. you got to step out of your doors. He, res- he empowers you as you go, as you move. That's why you need to go on trips to Knoxville and Detroit. You want to receive the fullness of the power of God? you got to get out. He'll meet you here like he met the disciples on Pentecost. But the true power was after, as they left the room. They were in an upper room. The Holy Spirit comes on them in Acts chapter 2. But the true power came as they left that room. And Peter stepped out and preached the gospel. Let me give you a, I, sh- I shared Rogers' story, which is powerful. I never thought I'd be reaching gang members, a little white guy from Michigan in the slums in Africa. Let me share another story. One day, a couple of uh, Kenyan brothers and I were going through the slums, weaving and zigzagging, and just slipping around. It's always muddy and holding on and squeezing by. It's, there's a million people in this slum, largest slum in Africa. And we, we're, we're just trying to be led by the Holy Spirit to go somewhere. And we go to a door, a first door, and we knock on it. And a woman, a mother of five, probably in her 30s, opens the door. Her and her five kids, small room, dark. And we say, hey, we're here to pray for you. I'm going to tell you that God loves you. And she starts weeping. She starts sharing her story of all that's happened to her. Her husband left her. She's here. She can't provide. They're starving to death. And she was going to kill herself that very morning. Give her children rat poison. And after they were dead, take the rat poison and die herself. And she said, can you help us? Can you help me? And we led her to Jesus, and we prayed for her, and we cast out the demons. And today she's alive serving God. But you see, the power came as we stepped out. That would never have happened if I decided to stay in America even, or if we had decided just to stay at the church. The power comes as we share him and as we step out. So God has given us this great assignment and the power, the Holy Spirit, to fulfill it. So why is the world still so lost? Why are there billions of people that don't know him? Well, is it because God has not called us? No! (laughs) He has called us. His words are the same today as it was to the first disciples. Go into all the world and preach to all creation. God is still in the business of sending, and we as the church have kind of failed in a lot of ways. We haven't taken his words seriously all the time. We've come up with excuses. We have not preached the gospel to all humanity. 2,000 years later, we have not preached the gospel to all humanity. God has done marvelous things, and we praise him for that. And that's why, because we have not preached, that the Somalis, over 99, almost 99.89% of Somalis are Muslim. And there are probably less than 100 Somalis that know Jesus in the world of millions of people. And there's a lot of reasons we don't preach. Fear, we're scared, we're timid, we're selfish maybe. We lack knowledge about it or conviction or we get comfortable where we're at. But it's certainly not because we're, we're not called. God is calling us. Uh, this professor, G.T. Manley, has this great quote from about 100 years ago. He says, am I called to the mission field? 
I think it is possible that some of us have exaggerated the idea of a special nature of the call to the foreign field. I look back at some of the great historic missionaries. So he's going to describe some of the greatest missionaries they're calling. William Carey, very famous missionary, said that his call consisted of an open Bible before an open map of the world. That call speaks to every one of us. Henry Martin had the idea of the mission field first suggested to him by his own pastor. His pastor came up to him and said, Martin, aren't you the sort of man who might give his life for the evangelization of India? And that was his call. His pastor said, hey, you want to go to India? And he went to India. David Livingston, very famous missionary in Africa, said that he had no special call. He had just a special enthusiasm, or he had no special enthusiasm for even missions beyond what he describes as a strong, overwhelming sense of duty. And a young Keith Falconer said, a call, what is a call? A call is a need, and a need made known, and the power to meet that need. And I want to share one need with you this morning of a nation called Chad. Chad is in north-central Africa, borders the Sahara Desert. There's about 12 million people that live in Chad. There are 72 unreached people groups in Chad. An unreached people group is a, they don't even have, it's not that they're lost, it's that there's no churches among them to even share Christ. There's nobody even reaching out amongst them. 72. Over 50% of that country is Muslim. And I I just got back from Springfield. I was in Springfield, Missouri for three weeks of missionary training. And I watched our leaders of the Africa Assemblies of God weep as they lamented that we have zero missionaries in Chad. Zero. No one. And I just ask you today, simple as this, just to pray, Lord, could you help us, our church, to meet that need in some way? There is... There is little to no gospel representation in the country of Chad. Guys, I just want to make, I just want to plead, I'm just pleading with you, make your life count for something. You know, you're not going to get to the end of your days and say, man, I wish I had watched more TV, you know. And I love the Tigers, but I'm not going to die and be like, man, I wish the Tigers had won the World Series again. You're not going to say, I wish I had eaten more ice cream. Well, you might say that. Actually, you might. Make your life count. C.T. Studd, who is a stud of a guy, he's, he's the man. He said this, some want to live within the sound of a chapel bell. I want to run a rescue shop within a yard of hell. That's kind of my, I've adopted that as my life quote. And I'll close with this story. I'm going to pull it up. It's on my phone. There was a missionary to, to India. His name was Alexander Duff. And after years of faithfully serving in India, Alexander returned to Scotland, where he was from. And he made an appeal to the Presbyterian Church for missionaries, but there was no response. In the midst of his appeal, he fainted and was carried off the platform. The doctor bent over him and examined his heart. Presently, he opened his eyes. Where am I? he cried. Where am I? Lie still, said the doctor. You have... Had a heart attack. Lie still. But exclaimed Dr. Duff, I haven't finished my appeal. 
Take me back. Take me back. I must finish my appeal. Lie still, said the doctor again. You will go back at the peril of your life. But in spite of the protest of the physician, the, the old warrior struggled to his feet with the doctor on one side and the moderator of the assembly on the other. He again mounted the steps of the pulpit. And as he did so, the entire assembly rose to honor him. Then when they were seated, he continued his appeal. And this is what he said. When Queen Victoria calls for volunteers for India, hundreds of young men respond. But when King Jesus calls, no one goes. Then he paused. And there was a silence. Again he spoke. Is it true, he asked, that the fathers and mothers of Scotland have no more sons to give for India? Again he paused. Still there was silence. Very well, he concluded. Then aged though I am, I'll go back to India. I'll lie down on the banks of the Ganges, and I can die thereby. And let the people of India know that there was one man in Scotland who loved them enough to give his life for them. In a moment, young men from all over the entire assembly sprung to their feet crying, I'll go, I'll go. And after that old white-haired warrior had been laid to rest, these young men, having graduated, found their way to the dark, benighted India, there to labor as his substitutes for the Lord Jesus Christ. Will you go? Will you pray? Will you give? This is our calling. So in a simple response, we're going to sing, but I provided for your church a bunch of books. Because, and, and, you know, you don't go like, oh, well, I'm going to go become a career missionary today. It, it's a process. So just as a step, if God is stirring your heart about your role in missions, about possibly going in some capacity, I'm going to have Pastor Pete just lie these books all across the front here. And just as a sign I want you to come and grab one. And these, what are these books? They're a devotional book, a 30-day journal. Every day, every chapter is written by a missionary about a missionary characteristic. And, and, and I'm asking you, I'm giving these books free of charge to you guys just to bless you guys. Ask you as a sign of God's stirring in your heart just to explore this calling, to come up, grab one of these books, and commit to going through it for the, the next 30 days. It's a 30-day journal. And just during that 30 days, God, what do you want from me? What do you want from me? God, I'm called to you individually. I'm called to you first. But as I'm called to you, how am I called to live out this, this command to make disciples of all nations? So as we sing this song, as we pray in response, and I'm just going to pray over us, if God is stirring your heart, I just want you to come up and grab one of these books. So Jesus, we love you. God, I just ask that you would speak today, that I would get out of the way, and it be you speaking to hearts, Lord. I pray for those who are grabbing these journals. I pray that you'd speak to them, that you would speak to them, Lord Jesus. And as they read through this journal, Lord, you'd stir their heart and, and plant in them, as you did in me, your heart for the nations, God, your passion for the nations. So we love you, Jesus, and we praise you this morning. God, I praise you.
for the life that you have put in us, God. The breath of life that you breathed into our nostrils. For your living spirit that lives in our hearts. Thank you. God, I pray that we could take that life that's within us, that you have put there. God, that we may put it into action, Father God. That it does not stay dormant, sitting on a shelf. That we say, man, this is great for me. But failing to give that life to somebody else. Sharing that, that life and that hope that we have. The antidote to sin. The problem to our society today is the lack of Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that we can share that with every person we come in contact this week. Father God, that your love, your life will be exuding from us, from our words and our actions, the way we conduct ourselves, by the way we work, by the way we raise our children, by how we interact with people at a stoplight. That that life, that love would come out of us in every area of our life. That we can minister to others. I thank you for that call this morning that, that was put forth, God. That it would burn in someone's heart, Lord. That they would, they would say, I'm going to do something for Jesus this week. I'm going to do something for Jesus with my life. Lord, that they, the realization that the call to preach your word, the call to reach our world and our society would not rest on pastors alone, but every person in the congregation would, would stand up and say, I can do something. Let that word burn in us this week, Father God, that we, your people, are called to do something and to go into all the world and preach the gospel. Hallelujah. Give us boldness, Father God. Give us boldness to do it. That maybe when we're standing at the cash register this week, next to somebody in the supermarket, and we feel that gentle nudge, say, you know what? Ask that person how they're doing. Ask them if they know Jesus. But God, I, I'm not a good speaker, Lord. I can't do that. Lord, that that boldness would be there. The Holy Spirit would say, no, you have power. I have called you. I am with you. I'm going to give you the words to say. Speak life into somebody. Lord, give us that, that passion. And as Jason laid out, it all comes from who we are in you. And, and we're called to you. And it will come from our love for you. that we would take that responsibility, that commission, your last words, and put them in action. Hmm. We know that is your call in our life, God. Help us to fulfill it. Give us that anointing. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Does that sound good this morning, church? Does that sound good? Let's go take our community for Jesus. Eh? And you're, you're going to have an opportunity this week that it's on people's minds Given uh, the 
you know, some recent events in our, our government and some decisions that have been made, we acknowledge the fact that you're going to be come in contact with somebody who's going to want to hear your opinion. And the manner in which you share your opinion matters. The truth is, is we believe the gospel and what it says, it is clear. But our love has to be there. Speak the truth in love. Amen. And let's pray for our nation. I'm going to lead us in a, a quick prayer for our nation, and then I'm going to dismiss you, and we're going to go out and do whatever God has called you to do, to tackle whatever he puts in front of you. But let's first take a moment to pray as a congregation, as a church. Father God, I pray for our great nation, Lord, that was founded on your word, that was founded on you, on Jesus. God, I pray that we could come back to that, Father God. Lord, that you would forgive us, God, that when you look down, Lord, you would see those who love you and who serve you and who hold your word as true. And Father God, I pray that your people can come together in a way that we wouldn't be timid or afraid to speak the truth, but God, that we would do it in a manner that is loving, a manner that would draw people to you. God, that you would heal our land. Lord, we need you. As a country, we need you to intervene, Father God. Use us, Lord. Give us boldness. Give us the words to say. Use us in a unique way this entire week, Father God, and, and for the rest of the time until you come, until you return. We realize that we live in a fallen world and we carry with us the antidote. Hallelujah, Father God, help us. Help your church. Give us direction. Give us guidance. But Lord, we are not ashamed of your word. We know that it is truth. And we love you. So be with us this week, Father God. Be with every person in this church. Lord, I pray a blessing over them. That you go before them, behind them, and all around them, God. That your hand of blessing would rest over their households. Lord, we thank you for that. And you would speak to them in the moments that they are still before you. Lord, that they would acknowledge your presence in their life, God. And that you would make yourself known to them. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father God. And we give you all the praise and all the glory. In your son's precious name, the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.